Shannonese Dambrod is my guest today. She's an art critic, curator, and author based in downtown LA. She is the arts editor for LA Weekly and a contributor to Flaunt, Art and Cake, White Hot Magazine, and Artillery. She studied art history at Vassar College, writes books and catalog essays, curates and juries exhibitions, is a dedicated Instagram photographer, and is the author of the experimental novel Zen Psychosis. Shana speaks at gallery schools and cultural institutions nationally and is a member of Art Table and the LA Press Club. She also sits on the boards of Art Share LA and the Venice Institute of Contemporary Art, the Advisory Council, Building Bridges Exchange, and the Brain Trust of Some Serious Business. You're listening to Art World, the White Hot Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. Visit us on the web at www.whitehotmagazine.com. Sincerely hope you enjoy the podcast. After over a decade of working with Shannonese Dambrot, I asked her about Los Angeles. Have you lived there for a long time? Were you born there? I don't. I uh, deliberately didn't do any research because I wanted to actually hear it from you. I love that strategy. And let's just go <laughs> ahead and call it a strategy. Yeah. Uh, um well i was born in new haven um depending on the audience i like to point out that i was born at yale um but let's just call it new haven for now um and i you know i grew up on more or less on the east coast although i had sort of itinerant or let's say um random um sort of youth where i lived in like really a lot of places like there's a little Miami and a little Alaska and some Paris France and whatever but just think about the tri-state area and then I went to college um, at Vassar which is upstate New York so it was really all that Um, but then I moved to Los Angeles in 1995 and I lived in Venice for 15 years and now I live downtown since 2008. Mm. And you kind of um represent los angeles in a way you kind of run los angeles but like you were doing that like over 10 years ago you you were running los angeles um i am not a role model (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't accusing you of that okay good well you know the career path took these um these funny sort of vectors um, that made me more of a generalist than I had started out um, being. You know, I studied art history. I wanted to be an art critic. That was like my goal. And I I did that. And I still am definitely that. But along Mm -hmm. the way, I wound up in these positions like um, I was the second and longest serving managing editor of Flavor Pill when it started its LA edition. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's be happened partly because they wanted somebody with a perspective on the art world to be in an editorial position. Um, But also partly what that did was it forced me to learn about all this other stuff. And, you know, the aughts were an incredible time for indie music in Los Angeles. I think about all the bands that came out then, Um, but it really made me kind of go on a deep dive in the city and outside of the art world as well in a way that, you know, would I or would I not have done? I'm not sure, but I'm so thankful, um, you know, that that, um, that that became, you know, part of my job. And so then when I left that and really went back into the art world, 
you know, you have all of that um, context and you take it with you. And then now for the last three years, I've been the arts editor at the LA Weekly. And again, that's kind of forced, um, you know, the expansion of the purview into all these beautiful adjacent realms of, you know, performance and certain kinds of film and music and certain other kinds of cultural experiences and experiments. And, right. You know, and I just learned about that you tech. Some, I mean, yeah. You just so, wrote something for the Village Voice, I noticed. I did. Well, sort of. If you'll notice, <laughs> I've been posting that I wrote something in the Village Voice because I want to be precise with my language. I wrote it for the LA Weekly. However, since a couple of months ago, the LA Weekly acquired the Village Voice that had not been publishing new content for the past several years. And now we're working with them to bring it back. Back to life sounds so melodramatic and that is not but to, to bring it back online, like literally and figuratively. Um, and so I'm going to be having opportunities like that to, uh, it was a, a, a review of a new documentary on MC Escher. And since unlike many gallery shows, movies open nationally, we mm-hmm. were able to publish it in the Village Voice as well, um, which is sort of like my childhood dream. So like, I'm all good now, mm. you know, check. I noticed that, yes. And uh, we've been working together on and off for a long time. I think, when was the first time I met you? In like 2005. One million years ago. Mm -hmm. In New York. And it was so monumental, the way that we met. It's like, you know, when you meet somebody and it's really cool, and then you can't even remember how you met or why you met or whatever happened. And then it's just suddenly now, fast forward, here we are. Right? And I mean, that was such an incredible, uh, incredible time too, because I remember, you know, I don't know um, if people at this point realize the situation with White Hot, which I kind of put together after meeting you, was a, was a sort of conceptual art project. Like you're an artist, right? You're right. A musician and a painter. And then you're like, right what if I started a huge famous international magazine? Is that a thing? And you just kind of like decided to see what would happen and went for right. it. And like, wow, this is what happened. Right. White hot's what happened. And I, yeah, it was a I bit of an accident. It was a bit of a, like, we're going to, we're having a baby. Yeah. Should we, you know, you know, and I was like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, uh it's still interesting. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that was kind of the, the start of it. But, I, you know, we don't have to go through my whole uh, thing. But yeah, that was how we came together was through White Hot Magazine. Um, and yeah, I remember meeting you in New York. And, it, and I showed up in New York because I wasn't living in New York at that time. And there were people from all over the world who had come there to meet me. And yeah. I was so weirded out by all of that. In the back of a truck in a parking lot on the Lower East Side, no less. Yeah, you and Paul Laster and Carlo McCormick. Mm-hmm. And uh, what had happened, I had kind of like put together this launch festival. And we were, do- I don't remember who you were interview. Were you doing an interview during that with someone? Oh. I, I don't know. Oh, you God, were doing something because you were either that or you were just hanging out. I, I just 
I don't remember. Like I have but the we image. Ha- was it Eric? Hmm. Mm. Maybe. Eric. But Wake. what ended up happening is, oh yeah, maybe that's it, Eric. Maybe it was. Maybe it was Eric White. And then as things progressed, and I became more acquainted with a with a bunch of different writers, um, I started to realize that you were like a really good writer, like not just sort of a casual writer, but like a really good writer. Thank you. Wow. And, and I mean, now it's just like, you know, so life is strange. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, but so, we yeah, we went way. through that whole the White Hot magazine when I got the crazy idea to start a magazine and it accidentally really became a magazine. Well, not accidentally, because <laughs> yeah. a lot of work has gone into it from everybody. But um, I think it captivated people's imagination in a way that I hadn't anticipated. And so as a result, you and I ended up working together for a long time. Mm-hmm. A long time. Like over a decade yeah yeah (laughs) and then and then people say oh well you you're an artist and a musician and it's a conceptual project but then after I go through a decade of working with top editors and writers it's like I have experience in that area yeah I didn't really have that much I didn't have that much experience I was counting on people like you and and other other genius level people in that world you know so that Anyways, enough about me. But well, there's never enough about to be said about you. But I will just add that, you know, a lot of times this is what happens. Like I just jumped off a few minutes ago a room on Clubhouse, whatever. Don't even get me started mm. on that rabbit hole. It's amazing and scary mm. and weird. But I love it. But um basically talking about this idea of as an artist, um, you know acquiring a space and mounting your own shows and how what happens is you do that for yourself and then you have the bug and then you have your friends and then the next thing you know you've been doing shows for three years mm-hmm. or whatever and suddenly you're the coolest gallery in town right and then you discover holy crap i love this mm-hmm. and you know what that can mean and you know that and how the many ways in which that can be wonderful and it didn't have to be you know the idea so yeah over a decade later i would say um you know you've crossed that sort of Mm. uh, rubicon in a good way Mm. um you know where that is you know it is what it it simply is what it is it's undeniable um I, i just i love remembering that um sometimes you know these tiny almost dadaist ideas you never know what is going to oh you mean you're talking about the way that like two or three friends get together after art school and say let's do a gallery show and then it becomes like a major gallery 10 years exactly and or everybody knows painter says i know a few writers let's see let's what Mm. what is what's a magazine (laughs) right Right. suddenly here it is and i just Mm -hmm. love that so much i you know that's such an interesting way of looking at things it's true though i saw a lot of galleries happen that way where they were just kind of like the dealer would meet a friend in a bar or bump into somebody who was drawing in a sketchbook in a bar and say oh i'm doing an art show do you want to you know be an artist and blah 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 and then fast forward they're like at a really high museum level internationally famous gallery 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is there is that parallel between just starting a magazine from nothing. I still, in many ways, have that kind of feeling of just like waking up and starting from scratch every day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I think, is the. Oh wait, there's downtown. Huh? Right. Say hi to Noah downtown. Wake so have you there. been in the same? I'll be gone in a second. Oh, it's it's not bothering me. Okay, have you? Okay. I live. Uh, yeah. I'm, there it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I've spent enough time in New York to be acquainted with that kind of thing. So, um, so you always wanted to be a writer, and you want, and you were interested in being an art critic. Yeah, I mean, I I've told versions of this story um, before, but I'll give you the sort of you know short and sweet version. But basically, you know, when I was growing up in New York, um, you know, my parents were divorced and, you know, the, and I was living with my mom. And so the, my dad would be like, you know, what do I do with my daughter, you know, two weekends a month, you know, that whole thing. And museums is a pretty obvious answer, but more than that, something he enjoyed himself. So I'm like 11 and, you know, yeah, sure. Okay. The natural history museum. Absolutely. You bet. But I'm 12. The first time he took me to the modern. And I mean, I was obsessed with the temple of Dendor at the Met and I'm at the Frick. Like this is my favorite place in the world. And it still is, you know, almost 40 years later. And, you know, so all of that, um, it really, you know, impressed itself on me. Um, not least of which, if I'm going to be real, is because that was the time I had with my dad, right? So it was like, you get that like dub- double magic, right? And, um, you know, so I wasn't one of those kids that like you had to drag, you know, I was, I was there for it. And mm-hmm. then one day we're at the modern and I, I come around because the old modern, or should I say it's probably two or three moderns ago now with all the remodeling, um, mm-hmm. Kazimir Melievich's white on, white square on white used to be installed in sort of like what I can only describe as a stairwell, kind of like you came down off some stairs and then, then you kind of turned and it was like the it had its own wall but it was kind of like I don't know it was like a nobody you know puts baby in the corner type situation <laughs> and I became obsessed with this painting and I can't explain to you what a twelve year old girl's brain was doing, you know obsessed with literally white square on white but I just remember standing in front of that painting just infinitely and thinking myself like you know what what is that like what are you why how what am I looking at like I need to be able to understand this and then it became one of my favorite like physical places in the city like I would it was basically like I was going to visit my painting you know and mm-hmm. then everything that went along with that. And then however many years later, five years later in high school, it became, uh, I, I learned that you can go to school to find out what's going on with that painting. <laughs> right? right? Right. And I was right, like, right. oh, well, obviously. So I found Vassar, the art history program there. It was the best one. I applied early decision. I got in. That was it. I like, there were no, I mean, you know, I had, it was early decisions. So if I hadn't gotten in, I could have applied to other colleges later. It wasn't like fully all or nothing, but it basically was. And I just went for it. And um, 
after that, it was just a story of, you know, figuring out how to make a living, but in the art world adjacent while you mm-hmm. go through like the freelance limbo and then take the leap, you know, and become full-time, you know, it was like that very traditional career arc. Um, you met me in the height of the hardcore freelance hustle where I was like, yeah, all right for you. What are we doing? Let's do this. <laughs> Who are you again? You right. Know? And right. Uh, that went great right. sometimes and not great other times, but it's like every freelance, um, you know, uh, story, you know, it was like very reality bites type situation. So you were doing flavor pill when I met you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I have to, Everything you were you were writing for a few other places well, as well. I was I Flavor Pill was eight years and I think it was like two thousand two or three to like two thousand ten. You know, I'm sure someone can fact check me. You know, don't eat, don't right. email me. No, 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 no. No, I'm telling the listeners like I I understand yeah, yeah. my dates might be fuzzy. You forgive me. Right, I'm old. But um, yeah, and so the beauty of Flavor Pill was that it was like a half-time job. So it was like foundational, but not full-time, but super steady. And then that gave me the freedom to um, to work with other um, more art-centric publications at the same time without being overwhelmed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I started White Hot Magazine and then right away I was writing for Art in America when I'd never written an article before in my life. <laughs> I love that so much. And I'm like, I'm typing in a Word document and there's a little pop-up on my cursor that says Brandt Publications. And I'm like what? freaking yeah. out. <laughs> like, what did I do? Are I they like, like, what is, what are track <laughs> changes? What is this track changes thing? Anyway, so... You, uh, you yeah. were very helpful in just, I don't know, just your, um, not to be, I guess you're in LA, so I can be kind of wishy-washy. Just your energy was um, uh, very healing during that whole process of, of kind of being acclimated to what that was like. But uh, I think I also uh, had a skill that I didn't realize I had until I got involved. Exactly. In that sort of thing. Exactly. I can fly this plane. So it was kind of, it was that sort of thing. Um, and what's happening now? Are you writing something? Um, yeah, well, God, I mean, it's, things are so, I mean, I, I almost, it's like, do you mean now as in the story know, I'm like working on that's already late? If you have something or... that you can talk about that isn't, yeah. Right. You have something you can talk about that isn't like completely top secret and sealed documents. Well, you know, um, so I, I, being the arts editor at the LA Weekly, it's actually a fair, ironically enough, it's a fairly similar structure in terms of my life to those flavor pill days because it's um, not quite full time which, um, and contractually, I'm completely at liberty to do any freelance projects I want to do. And that was one of my things when I went back to the weekly, I mean, I've worked there four or five times in the past. And then three years ago, when I went back as the arts editor, I was like, okay, yes, but you know, I'm, I don't want to stop writing for white hot sometimes for artillery, for flaunt, you know, I, I write, I write books for artists and institutions, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I'm working right now with a gallery for an artist catalog, a museum for a project monograph, and another artist directly for a giant, like, coffee table, crazy town, amazing thing. And hmm. I don't want to be messing around with work product and nonsense. So, like, I made it really clear, and they were so accommodating and respectful that I thought, okay, yeah, I can do this. And so now it's like about half my time is LA weekly and about half my time is everything else put together. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a lot, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's how I like it. So when is this, when is the village voice being relaunched? Can you talk about any of that? Um, there are things that I don't know just cause I'm not like in those meetings, but Relaunch is, is a word, it all, in a sense, it already has started now, um, because online, Bob Baker, who you may even know, because he is a brilliant artist and arts writer for decades in New York City, and he, uh -huh. um, for the past few years, his job has been to um, kind of comb through the decades of archives and, you know, re-elevate um, some of the more salient or prescient or fascinating works from the archive. Um, you know, did a cultural icon pass away? Here's, you know, someone's in, um, incredible interview with them from, you know, 1987. You know what I mean? So he's been doing that. And then now there's new content and it's coming both from local writers there, which I, I, don't, I don't know anything about that, as well as certain things from the weekly that would be of interest to a national or New York audience. For example, I just wrote about an exhibition called the black index. Um, Bridget mm -hmm. R. Cooks curated it. It was supposed to physically launch at use that um, here, not in LA, but in, at UC Irvine um, now, but it couldn't because of COVID, but they put it all online in a really great way, but it's a traveling exhibition and it's going to be at Hunter College um, in 2022, which I have every reason to believe it still will be. And so suddenly an art show that's, you know, in L.A. is of interest to readers in in New York. And so those kinds of things, when they come up, will be like sister publications and vice versa, by the way, as well, mm -hmm. um, when mm. it's appropriate. Um, and so with COVID, a lot of things being streaming, um, you know, and, 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 and digital platform versions of things, um, you know, have a, have a bigger potential audience. And so it makes it easier for city publications to collaborate. So it's pretty new still, but everyone's really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then they're talking about doing print um, again, but the last I heard, um, they, that was going to maybe, they were going to look at that being a quarterly and it's like super early stages. Right. But they're, they're look, definitely looking hard at what print could be as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I just found that kind of exciting because it was so sad when the Village Voice shut down. Yeah, my God. And I think a lot of people were interested in knowing what was going on. And then all of a sudden I realized you were in the inner sanctum of the whole workings of the thing. And suddenly there you were with an article in the village voice right? and I was something my parents so had happy. heard of. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I was so happy. Finally. To see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, do you collect art? Do you, do you collect any of the artists that you write about? Um, 
absolutely 100% yes to in general. And then not in a strategic way, but sometimes to the second thing. I mean, there's going to be undeniable occasions where in the process of writing about an artist or doing a studio visit for a curatorial project or, you know, just coming across uh, their work somewhere that I'm out there looking at, you know, whatever. And like any human, I fall in love and I don't, if I can afford it, I don't not buy it just because, but I definitely, you know, just for the record, I want to be super specific that those two things are not related. It's not like, I know I'm going to write about this. Therefore, none of that Mm -hmm. velvet buzzsaw nonsense is real anymore anyway. But even if it were, I don't also play at that level because we're definitely talking about like the two to $400 range for the most part. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, right. So I'm not out here like Martha Stewart, but every once in a while um, I discover, or I, I just, I buy a piece of art having nothing to do with it. And then four years later, that artist that I saw in a baby group show somewhere, I bought at an auction suddenly has a big solo show and I'm like, fuck yeah, good for you. I've loved you since 2004. Let me definitely write about the show. I've had that experience as well, where I've kind of inadvertently promoted someone and then they just blow up within a short period of time. Yeah, and I love that. And then I wish I that don't it was have like one of their master. Oh my god, when that I should have got a now. painting, but I didn't get a painting. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and there's That's stuff that a... I regret. Stuff I was like, man, you know, I could right. have paid rent late that month. I should have done that or whatever. But we all have that. We all right. have those. Well, I'm just trying to think about peripheral things that are exciting that are not. Uh, kind of like different things that you can enjoy about doing what you do without it just besides the writing which you're obviously very good at and I guess you enjoy it do you find it difficult (laughs) you know I see a lot especially on like writer twitter about you know what a Sisyphean nightmare it is but um and I I sit with that sometimes and I wonder it's like is you know do I enjoy it or do I enjoy the moment it's over or, you know, what? And I would just simply say that I am really glad that it's my profession because I do love it, but I wonder without the incredible prompts that my job provides me with, if I would be able, like, in other words, I don't know that I'd be great if all I did was like have to have an idea of my own that should be a book and then write a book with no one yelling at me about my deadline for four years. I couldn't function that way, but it's like, Oh, um, you know, like, so when we're done here, I'm going to go see a show, uh, a brand new show. It opened today at Nicodem gallery and it's paintings by the singer Devendra Banhart, who I love. And um, then I'm going to interview him about that tomorrow. And then oh. I'm going to have to, you know, uh, and then I have about, you know, whatever, a week to turn it around for the weekly. And, you know, I love every single thing about that. But um, what I really appreciate is like, no, I can't be lazy. I can't get off the phone with you and be like, mm, I'd rather binge watch some nonsense. No, because I have to talk to him tomorrow. That means seeing the show today. Right. While I'm there, there's four other galleries in that building. It's all very COVID safe and appointment based and the whole thing. Right. 
And so I love the way in which my job gets me, you know, forces me to like, not just be like a hermit, you know, writer, um, but to actually engage with the outside world, which um, I love when I do it, but I don't know if I would do it as much as I have to because of my work. And I am sort of grateful to my work for that, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, now it's time for people to stay home and read what you're writing. Yeah, and, you know, see it online. I mean, here's the other thing, and, you know, that COVID has done, I think, um, first of all, I thank God every day of COVID, even more so um, that I that I work in the art world because the art sector really kept our, us together as humans, like as human people, mentally kept us together, also kept us connected to each other. Um, right from the start, it was like, they freaked out for a week, like everybody. And by April 1st, they were like, okay, this is what we're doing now. And, you know, first they put everything they already had online. Then they started tweaking stuff they had in the pipeline to pivot to on be optimized for online. Then they started making new digitally native work with the intention that it would be shared in online platforms and it just kept getting better and more salient and more relevant and more innovative like mm -hmm. day to day and um mm -hmm. i was blown away on a regular basis during this entire last year by what artists were able to accomplish and i was just so grateful to like whatever guardian angel was like put me in that world at this time um it mm -hmm. saved me there's no doubt about that well the minute the minute the pandemic hit and things started getting really locked down i just got increasingly busier and busier it was really <laughs> the busiest i've ever Weird, been right this pandemic yeah a lot of artists with would... canceled or postponed exhibitions decided to make a book instead so there was a time at the end of the summer where I was working on like six or seven different independent artist books simultaneously because they mm -hmm. just were like, well, I don't feel like in waiting. And I actually did that with my own show. I took Donald Cuspet wrote yes. the catalog for this, this show that was going to open in New York, but didn't. And Anthony Hayden Guest wrote my favorite in this catalog. Right. You guys know for each other. 50 years. And it's also interesting that I've started working with different people that you knew, but it wasn't like through you. It was just happened to be. It's like all these people that we have in common started gravitating, or or were just on the scene. It's I guess it just becomes a very small world at a certain. Well, and point. Anthony in particular is somebody that it's always like. I mean, he loves the kids, right? Like he's somebody that was always interested in what the kids were up to. You know, who are the, like, what are, what are your ideas? Like he really has stayed young um, through ab being absolutely curious about, um, you know, the new things happening and um, youthfulness and young voices and stuff. And so when you guys hooked up, I was like, oh yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> that makes sense. That yeah, makes totally. sense. Right, right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I've become really good friends with him. And uh, but I don't I'm not friends with all of the people that I work with. I'm friends with some of them. And I'm, all, I'm also not friends with all of the famous people that I deal with. But some of them I did become friends with just because on a personal level, we get mm -hmm. along. 
Yeah, I mean, they're people, sure you know, um, mostly. And so sometimes, just like you meet anyone, like you meet friends and they're your work friends, but then like one out of 10 people from the office becomes your actual friend. And, right. Yeah. But I mean, you're smothered in celebrity in Los Angeles. I'm sure there's there's Hollywood people right and left. Well, I mean, the show I'm going to go see right now is Devendra Banhart. Um, yeah, I think... You know, I've written about like people like Modi and, you know, other um, Jim Carrey. I I got an interview with Jim Carrey. Why? Well, and by the way, he's amazing, like as a human, just FYI. Um, Talking to Mm -hmm. him, we laughed our asses off. We came up with a new word together, which is caricature instead of caricature. Anyway, but, you know, we talked about the First Amendment. We talked about sanity. We talked about everything. And. I, what, I think what happens to me when I have the opportunity to speak to those kinds of Viggo Mortensen um, is because right. unlike almost every other journalist they deal with, I'm there to ask them probably about their personal art, their private art practice. So I wasn't there to interview Jim Carrey about the fucking mask or whatever. I was there to interview him about his drawings that he was exhibiting at Macaron Gallery, Right. And, right. you know, same thing, you know, with all of this with Vigo, we talked about his writing and his photography practice um, with Moby. We talked about his photography and performance art practice. And so there, I think, is just like they love somebody like me taking them seriously about their art. And that's different for them, even from within the tower cocoon of celebrity um, that's a different kind of conversation with the media than they are used to having. And I can see just as human beings, them loving that kind of attention and having the ability to speak on that. And that's almost something but I then can on the same token, you know, right, 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 right. But then on, on the same, at the same time, I've seen you talk to these different celebrities who some of them are celebrity artists, but then when you talk to somebody like John Baldessari, then I'm star. You know, I'm oh my god, are you kidding? I was so I was fangirling. You can tell my smile is like I'm clenching. I was, you know, yeah. Sometimes it's not that it's not about objectivity, but like you're not there to find out if John Baldessari is a good artist or not at that point, right? So right. you just are there to try to have a conversation. And yeah, I definitely have had my fangirl moments. I mean, I met Ed Ruscha once. I've since sort of repaired this, I hope. Okay. Ed, if you're listening. But literally, when I met him, the thing that came out of my mouth to him was, oh my God, you're Ed Ruscha. Yeah. Oh, boy. So that was like horrifying at a level that I somehow now find amusing. Right. I mean, if this right. was, you know, 20 years ago. So how did that settle? After? How did that settle down? Well, how probably that... how it settled was he go? doesn't even remember it because it was literally nothing. And I was 20 years ago and I wasn't anyone he'd remember meeting anyway. And um, it was like a borderline social meeting. And um, I've never spoken of it. And, you know, now I have. And if, again, if you're listening. Right. Um, so we, I just... He pro- he forgot, and I pretended it never happened. And the next time, I was better prepared. Right, right. So the next 
um, kind of known person is Devondra yes. Bonhart. And he's like a freak folk singer. I've listened to a lot of his music. He's he's pretty pretty interesting. From Brazil, I think. I think originally, right? but he really, in a, some ways, belongs to like Silver Lake. You know, like he's a he's a beloved um, son of Los Angeles in many ways. I like his art too. I've looked at a lot of his art. I I'm interested to see what that's going to be all about because I was. I was wondering what, what happened with his art. I hadn't heard about it. And then this feels like kind of, I don't think it was at that gallery, but maybe it was at a different gallery in New York or something, but it's like, uh, do you know if he's doing drawings? Or... They seem, um, they only sent out one image ahead of time, um, but they seem to my mind to be like large scale mixed media drawings. And they might be, they might end up being on canvas, but they have that, feeling that sort of immediacy and almost sketchy organic quality that a drawing might have and so um yeah and they have a little they have a little bit of an energy of like surrealist parlor game automatic drawing exquisite corpse kind of energy to them that i'm really looking forward Mm. to and what what do you want to like when you have someone like this, have you had an interaction with him before or is this um, the first time? We have friends in common. I've met him. But um, the la- what part of the reason I was, you know, I've been a fan of his music, but about, fuck, I want to say a year ago, but honestly, 2020 keeps like slipping. So probably two years ago. Uh, right. Every, right. Um, but in mm. some essential ways, therefore, about a year ago. Um, I, he did a con, he headlined and sort of organized an evening of music in the upstairs performance space above Hauser and Worth, Los Angeles. And I was really interested in what the gallery was doing to bring other art forms into engagement with their exhibitions. And of course I wanted to go and it was great because it was like a lot of music people suddenly in this gallery environment and I could completely understood why they wanted to do it. There's um, one of the preparators at the gallery is an amazing singer and they came up and I was like, okay, I get this. This is local. This is organic. I get it. And that was a really um, just kind of, you know, engaging experience. And you go back downstairs and I think if I'm not mistaken, it was part of when they were hosting like an like an independent makers fair on the premises the same night. And, you know, it was just a really, and I think the Nicholas Party show was up. I mean, it was just like so much, it was so, so fantastic for everyone. Yeah. There was a and lot it was going on. bustling. And, um, and, but like Devendra at the heart of that. And I just remember thinking like, this isn't just like a concert venue for him. Like, you know, he's, you know, there was, and he said a few words that really made me understand that he was into that sort of integrated arts model of culture. And so when I got the press release from Nicodem, actually they reached out to me ahead of time, even before the press release went out, I was like, oh yeah, I am so curious about this. What, how, you know, what, what this is. And uh, so I'm going in with an open mind, but I'm also really excited about it. Mm -hmm. And then what was that? thing while we're talking about famous people it was was it shepherd fairy and moby on the same conversation or shepherd no it was shepherd fairy and somebody it was a public conversation it was you and shepherd it was fairy moby 
it was the three it was of the us. three of you right and it was at a gallery in hollywood and it was moby's first photography show and shepherd hmm. and gary baseman and i all wanted to help um i knew moby a little bit when we were all living in new york and the lower east side but you know uh those are bygone days in many ways and um you know uh, moby and gary had been really close and gary's one of my best friends and um so i don't know if it was shepherd who i've also known since he was just a, like a punk kid that you know given out andre the giant has a posse stickers that you know uh, on the on orchard street um but uh again we all you know they knew me and they knew that like i would get it and not hassle moby about music and you know just whatever like they knew i was the right person so um i sort of interview moderated that conversation um with Shepard and, and Moby and Jim Carrey was sitting in the front row, which is kind of how that happened at first, even though my interview with him was many years later, but he remembered that. Like, so when I was, when I met Jim Carrey, I was able to be like, actually, I have no way of knowing if you remember this, but I did this conversation with Moby and he was like, and Shepard at Sarah's gallery, blah, blah, blah. And it turned out it was shortly right around thereafter that it had been, had nothing, I'm not suggesting causality. But just to say he sort of started painting kind of around the time that he came to the talk that was about starting visual art as a second act in your career, right? So it all hung together. Right. So when I met him later, he knew that was me. And then our conversation was very relaxed. So again, just to speak to right. that, um, that dynamic, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> The first time that I really knew the gravity of like what you're all about in L.A. is I think it was like you wrote an article about some kind of show that was opening. And I think it was opening at the Getty. And somebody told me that after you wrote the article, there was a traffic jam of people to like get up there. Like there was literally a traffic jam, although there's always a traffic jam in L.A. So maybe. It... But it sounds like the way they said it, it was like. They were lined up to like they lined up in their cars because they yeah I mean I don't know what that was I'm sorry did you remember that Thank it was you. I think it was a flavor oh, pill yeah. article okay like, so that wasn't necessarily an article but flavor pill used to host these uh, music nights up at the Getty and yeah we shut down the four or five in both directions more than once with those parties yeah I heard about they, that now I, was, not, like, I was not responsible for booking the musical talent. But the people that were from within the Flavor Pill Network were freaking geniuses. And so I think the night you're talking about, we had Jamie Lydell. No, no. Like, I was talking to somebody and I was asking them about you because we hadn't known each other that long. And I was talking about how you were writing for White Hot Magazine and we were dealing. And they were like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> they, she shuts the highway down when she writes an article in L.A. Like, you, you're totally, you don't know what you're, you know. You're out of the ah. loop, bro. Like you don't know you know who you're dealing with. That is hilarious. Like, that is hilarious. Whoa. You know what? I'll take so, it. Why not? Yeah. It might have I mean, I probably ah. spent that night trying to sneak into like, you know, the gilded, you know, like the gilded age Sun King rooms in the decorative arts building, you know, like Nerdland. But yeah, I'll definitely take that. Right. But then what makes what makes someone like you look at someone like me? 
and not just go, okay, he's just like some nut bar artist who wants to start a magazine and like, why do I want to be involved? Why do I want to support this? Because it's just going <laughs> to be really gone next question. week. Um, I guess we're... <laughs> like, why wasn't I just some sort of nut bar? Like, well, I guess we're both glad I didn't ask that question at the time. Um, right. What I, I just went with it. You just kind of went with it. And I was like, why are these... Why are these people well, being what I can to me say again? is that, um, again, and this was seen of 15, whatever years ago. Um, and part of it was because I really didn't want to let my art criticism practice, um, you know, atrophy while I was focused on, fla- on building flavor pill. Um, and so I was just, you know, mm-hmm. I was writing for Art Week, which at the time was a print monthly called Art Week. Not my fault. And, um, but it, they were mm-hmm. great. I mean, don't get me wrong. No shade to them. It's just like, it was printed in the in a monthly and it was called Art Week. It doesn't matter. Um, and there were a couple magazines yeah. in LA that were starting. Some were starting, some were ending. There was not, artillery wasn't a thing yet. Internet magazines were not really a thing yet. Even Flavor Pill, we were uploading eight coded HTML pages for the first couple of years. Like this was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, so at the time I was like, I was still very much building, um, you know, my freelance, you know, writing practice. Um, at where did you write for art? Very well? briefly. Um, I, there were a couple of magazines like that that I dipped in and it like didn't go that well. And again, no shade to anyone. It's just that Artnet at uh-huh. that time was a little bit, was much less editorially driven than it is now. At that time, they were very market driven. They were auction results, sales results from art fairs, you know, comings and goings in the art business. And um, serving, therefore, a very necessary function, but it just was not the kind of writing that I was interested in or that good at, frankly. There are other market writers who are so good at it, and I am not one of them. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like, you see you have interaction with Jerry Saltz and different New York figures in in writing. And and I know, I guess you did have a certain experience in new york at a at, before but not you really with writing which was part of it um i um worked at the guggenheim after i graduated and that was cool oh. i guess right why not um that's where i met anthony actually mm-hmm. sure was at the big fancy opening night benefit when they launched their photography gallery and I, right. we were hanging out with a bunch of people. I think Andre Serrano, a couple other people, and everybody went back to Anthony's house, and it was one of those. So that's how we became friends. There were like thirty people there. I mean, believe me, it wasn't. I don't want to mm-hmm. like just because you know the internet's how it is. I really want to be clear. There were legitimately like thirty-five people there. Um, but what did he do? He invited all the young artists, the fancy artists who had brought their studio assistants to the Guggenheim party come to my house right so just speaking to that dynamic of his but um uh, so I was one of those I was like I was working there but I was definitely like one of the youngsters right 
And um, it was super fun. Right. I think it was legitimately like my boss couldn't use her tickets. Like I was practically not even invited to the party. So it was great. And, um, but then in about 1995, I left the Guggenheim and I was like, I don't want to work in art galleries here. You know, I've written like one thing. It's not even a thing. Like, what do I do? Oh my God, what do I do? And um, I had a really good friend from college who had started a gallery in Venice. And I was like, all right, let me just go out there and see what this is all about. And then this is my actual answer. I knew that as a New York person with a certain like pedigree, because like I had interned for, you know, Leo Castelli gallery and stuff like that. Yeah. When he was still alive. It was really interesting. I was the intern that my job was to be like his kind of like cane. Like he needed like a little bit of a cane to walk, but he didn't want to use them. So at openings, he would, clutch onto like my elbow and I but I wasn't allowed to talk to anybody right I just was like why would just walk around with him it was (laughs) was amazing amazing yeah I'm really right wow um and I was like well I don't really want to love you don't want to do that so um I moved to LA and I immediately just started writing for like whoever and um, juxtapose was one of the was had just started in 1994 and that was really exciting very west coast um, a lot of energy surrounding it and, I, and then I just after that it just was like I described before the sort of day job freelance ratio until you um, till you get there mm-hmm. oh. that's fantastic well we could talk all day and all night and but I'm extremely honored and uh, pleased that we could have a conversation and that you can no, join. No, I really the appreciate you having today. me. It's been quite the year, and I know it's like it's so cliche to be like I'm hashtag blessed, right? Like, don't you just want to punch those people? But I really am uh-huh. flooded with gratitude for <laughs> the humans in the art world, and you know, you're chief among them. So it's it's an honor and a privilege to oh, to be here you. with you today. Oh, thanks. Okay. Well, we'll talk soon. Um, let's be Yeah, and let me know, day. you know, all the things you need to let me know. Absolutely. And I look forward to your debate. Right? Now I actually piece. have to do it. See, that's the thing. <laughs> Structure. <laughs> okay. Well, have a, gr- oh, have a great know. day. I have an amazing soon. day. Okay. Art World, the White Hot Magazine podcast, where we feature the best art in the world. Read us on the web at www.whitehotmagazine.com. Visit us on Instagram and other social media platforms. The podcast can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all places where podcasts can be found. I'm your host, Noah Becker. 